this story that was just read, these, which we call the Christmas story, these last few weeks I've been reflecting on it, um, reflecting on how Jesus was born into the world, God's Son. And what has been striking me um, is how God didn't orchestrate the birth of his own son the way I would have done it. And how God doesn't always orchestrate my life the way I would have him do it. And, and so this morning, as we reflect on the story of the birth of Jesus Christ, let's think about how when God came into the world, born as a human being in the person of Jesus, God did it by taking the long way around. Of course, we should have seen it coming because we just celebrated four weeks of Advent. And Advent is about waiting and waiting and waiting. Did anyone uh, have a hard time uh, waiting those four weeks for Christmas to finally come? Well, now we finally get to Christmas. We finally get to Jesus' birth, and we realize that there's more waiting. <laughs> we realize that all these weeks we have been waiting for more waiting. Are we there yet? No, rather we get to Christmas and we realize that God continues to take us on a long and a winding way. Let's notice how we see this in the story. First, though, to do this, if you have ever had children or hope to someday or can even imagine what it would be like, think about what your ideal birthing experience would be. And I realize this is a lot easier for the moms than for the rest of us, but I think with a little imagination, we can all do it. So you, you want the environment to be safe, right? That's the first thing. You want it to be clean and sterile and attended by competent assistants. And you want it to be as comfortable as possible under the circumstances. You probably also want to be familiar with the surroundings, maybe at home or in a hospital that you're familiar with. Maybe those of you who, who have given birth, you visited the, the ward or the suite where you planned to be in labor. And who do you want with you? Maybe your spouse. Maybe you want your mom there either during or after. Or maybe you definitely don't want your mom there. Maybe you plan to have a doula. But you want to be in control of who's there when you give birth. Well, Jesus' parents had none of these things. I'm guessing Mary wanted them all too, or that she wanted whatever her equivalent was in her time and culture, but she got none. Instead, we read in verse 1, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree, a mandatory decree by the big totalitarian leader. Mary and Joseph had their freedom, their choice, their desires, and their dreams yanked from them by a decree that a census should be taken of the whole Roman world in which Mary and Joseph lived. It was a census that was taken, historians tell us, so Romans, 
so Rome could better tax its subjects. A census so that they, the Romans, could take more money out of the pockets of poor subject peoples like Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus and give that money to rich and powerful people like Caesar. And so verse 3, everyone was forced to go back to their own original ancestral hometown to register for this taxation census. Think if you were required to do this, where would you need to be this weekend? The place where you were born, the place where your family is from. Well, this is what Mary and Joseph need to do. And while they're there, verse 6, the time came for the baby to be born. Poor Mary and Joseph. (laughs) Whatever their dream was of a safe, clean, comfortable, familiar childbirth, it was not this. Forced to go to another place and giving birth in that strange place, and not in a hospital or even in a nice home, but verse 6, in a room or structure where animals stayed because there was no guest room available for them. Wow. Question. Couldn't God have done better? Couldn't God have done better in orchestrating his own coming into the world? Well, we're not going to read this this morning, but the trouble continues if you keep reading the story. Not long after, Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus are forced to flee for their lives, to flee from their country. They become fugitives, getting up in the middle of the night to flee and to go to a foreign country, the land of Egypt, because the local king wants to kill the baby, Jesus. Again, couldn't God have done better orchestrating all of this for his own coming into the world? And so reading on this, reflecting on this, it reminded me sometimes God leads us on a winding road. Sometimes God takes us on the long way, not the direct way, not the easy way. Our family loves to go to the beach at the Outer Banks in North Carolina. It's a favorite family tradition. We don't get to go every year, but when we can, we love to join Anne's family and to spend a week there with them. Wouldn't it be nice to be on some warm beach right now? (laughs) Well, to get... uh, from Anne's family who live in Washington, D.C., to the beach by the Outer Banks, it's maybe a five-hour trip plus traffic. Now, there are a couple ways that you can get there. There is the direct route, the fast route, the, the short one, down Interstate 95, and then over Interstate, I think it's 64. All highway driving. But then there's the other slower scenic route on Route 17, on smaller roads, winding through towns and countryside. And when all of Anne's family is going, there are enough of us that we usually drive in three different cars, and sometimes Anne's mom 
likes to take the scenic route the long way around. It's more beautiful, she says. It's less stressful, but it's also a good bit slower. And so the rest of us, we want to get there quickly, so we stay on the interstates. We fight traffic. Often it's stressful. Sometimes there are traffic jams, but it's worth it because we still usually get there first. But isn't that a picture of American culture? We Americans like to get from point A to point B as quickly as possible, right? Most of us anyway. We like efficiency. We like speed. We don't want to stop and smell the roses or take in the scenery. Most of us want to get there, even if it's stressful because we are in a rush. And because so many of us are like that, and because we live in a culture like that, that values speed, that values efficiency, we would like God to lead us that way too. Directly, quickly, from point A to point B. But guess what? God isn't like that. God is not so committed to speed and efficiency or even to comfort. Wherever in our lives we think God is leading us or hoping God is leading us, God isn't even committed to letting us know how soon or by what route we are going to get there. God is as much about the process as the destination. So question, which route does God have you on right now? The short, straight, efficient route? Or does God have you on the long way, the winding road? There's a song we, we sometimes sing that, that expresses the, these two roads well. It's called Blessed Be Your Name. On the one hand, there's the road where the sun's shining down on me and the world's all as it should be. But on the other hand, there's also the road marked with suffering where there's pain in the offering. And the song recognizes that God can lead us on either road, and so the song encourages us to say to God either way, blessed be your name. Well, I don't know about you, but I prefer the easy road, the straight road. But sometimes God leads me on the long way, the winding way, the hard way. That's the reality. And so question again, which road does God have you on right now? Are you on the easy direct route? Or does God have you on the long way around? In many ways, that's where God has me right now. I, I think I've felt that way since COVID hit. Maybe, maybe you relate. Which is why the Christmas story is such a comfort to me right now. And, and here's why it's a comfort. Because... Here's the good news of this passage. When God has us on the long way around, God goes with us. God knows himself what it feels like to be on the long way. Because God himself, even from the time he first came into the world, God took the long way. He took 
the long and winding road for us and with us. Isn't that comforting? So question, why would God ever put us on the long way? Why doesn't God value efficiency and speed and comfort and ease as much as we do? Or to put it another way, why might God, or sorry, what might God want to teach us by leading us on the long way? Let me suggest three things that in my experience God may want me or us to learn by being on the long way. First is patience. We love learning patience, right? <laughs> Let me ask you, is anyone learning patience right now this morning? Is there anyone who hasn't opened their Christmas presents yet? <laughs> and you're waiting. You, you have to be patient until church is over so you can open them. Don't worry, I won't go much longer so that you can get home or wherever you're going to open those presents. On the long and winding road, we learn to wait. We learn patience. Second, we learn faith. We learn to trust God. We learn slowly, maybe painfully, that when we're on the long way, God is no less good and no less loving than when everything is working out quickly, efficiently, just like we hope. No, when things are slow, when life is meandering, and we can't see where we're going or when we're going to get there, we discover that God is still good on the journey. God still loves us. And that being with God on the journey, we come to realize, is enough. Being with God on the journey is enough, even as we wait for the destination. That's faith. And then third, on the long way, God teaches us that we are not in charge. We are not the driver. God is the driver. And God has his own ways and reasons for the routes he chooses. And God does get to choose the route. Because we are not in charge. That was true for Mary and Joseph. And for baby Jesus, God himself come down to be with us. And it's true for you and me. God is the driver, not us. And sometimes God takes us on the long way. But it's okay. Because God is good. God knows what God is doing. And God is with us. God is Emmanuel. God with us even on the long way. And that's the good news of Christmas. Merry Christmas.